Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. Now this week I'm talking to light middleweight boxer, Tim Zhu. He's had a lot of amateur fights, he's only 25 years of age, and in 2019 he held the Australian title. Of course, Tim is the son of the former world champion Costa Zhu, so it goes without saying that he grew up with boxing in his blood and has wanted to carry on the legacy of his dad, but I have to be clear here, he wants to carry on the legacy of his dad as being in the business of boxing, but for Tim Zhu. This is nothing about Costa. At 25 years of age, as I said earlier, he holds a powerful record of 15-0. He won the ABCO in the seventh pro bout with a unanimous decision over Wade Ryan. And in November 2019, he defeated Jack Brubaker. And I was there, and this kid can punch, this kid can wrestle, this kid can do the whole lot. He's super fit, super focused. He knows what he's about, and he keeps a cool, calm head whilst he goes about his business in the ring. I want to ask him about his brand, what his brand stands for, how does he push his brand, how he executes. But more importantly, when right now Australia's been suffering the coronavirus crisis. It's been chaotic. And I want to talk to Tim about how he manages chaos in the boxing ring when he's in the fight. That's what you've got to do when you're in the business of fighting. You've got to be able to manage the chaos when the chaos presents itself. There's no one else there to help you. You've got to keep a calm head. I want to talk to him about how he does that. Has that got something to do with how he was raised? Has it got something to do with his DNA? Or is this something he's developed and become very conscious of? So let's get into it. Wow, this is pretty exciting for me. Tim Zhu, welcome to The Mentor, mate. No, thank you for having me. No worries. Uh, What a time we're sort of sitting in at the moment. I mean, I I want to talk to you about a whole whole heap of things, Um, but I I guess I want to know, first and foremost, how you're feeling, like you've not been out of fight and stuff like that. Well, it's a, it's a crazy feeling, um, emotions all over the place, uh, especially when you've been prepping and been training hard for this, for this particular moment. And the caliber of the fight, um, to be fighting in a stadium and for it to just be not cancelled but postponed, um, yeah, it's what can you do? It's, it's part of life now. You're at the top end of your prep now. You know, you would have been. Yeah. And, I, and the thing is I started right at the start of the year on the 1st of January, so... I've been ramping things up and um, we went to Townsville. Uh, we went to announce the fight that it's going to be at the stadium. And then two days later, all of this all of this happens. And um, 
it's heartbreaking, but what can you do? There is nothing you can do. And, and I guess we've got a lot of business owners who are listening to this podcast too and they're probably sitting in the same position. And that's what this is all about. It's a part of the series of um, the business of fighting. And uh, I'm really lucky to have someone like Tim Zhu in the studio today. I mean, he's up there in good company, of course. Um, and I, what I'm trying to do here is highlight the quality, not only of the athleticism and the talent of Australian fighters, boxers and UFC, but also the quality and the talent of the individuals behind it. I mean, we have a whole new era of people who fight in this country for this country, and Tim's a great representation of that. Um, he's a very uh, modest young fella. He's got his head screwed on. You don't hear any bad shit about him. Um, mind you, you know, I, some of my <laughs> mates were fighters, and, you know, we heard a lot of bad shit about them. I've been judging them, but it's a different era. We live in a different era, and we have some great Australian representatives right here now fighting for their goals and for their great goals. And, you know, I know my guess is, Tim, I can ask you straight up, what would you like to do? What do you want to achieve? In boxing? Yeah, in boxing. The ultimate goal for me is to become a three-time world champion in three different divisions. Starting which division? Starting at this one, junior middle. Junior middleweight, yeah. Go, go up to super middle. So that's that's my all, all-time goal that um, I want to keep chasing and chasing until until I get it. And you're only 25, so you've got I'm plenty of time to do it. Yeah, so I st- still got another maybe 10, 15, 12 years ahead of me. So you know, this is only the start of my career. And it's not as if, and a lot of people say this stuff and it really pisses me off, but it's not as if you've had, you're 25, it's not as if you had 500 fights or something to date. I mean, you're you're pretty fresh. You look you look clean. Your face is okay. You're not too cut up. <laughs> you don't seem to cut much either. I've, I've watched a number of fights. I've, I've been a number of fights. Yeah. I've watched a number of fights, but... Unfortunately, a lot of blokes at 25 today are punch mm. drunk. Yeah. I mean, well, certainly in the past, mm. I mean, you, you probably know it, but um, today, to some extent, the less fights you had at 25, the better. Mm. Well, you've got to be f- fresh. Uh, your brain's got to be there as well. A lot of fighters, yeah, they come in for a war, which is great, but at the same time, you've got to know how to defend yourself. You've got to know how to evade punches uh, because at the end of the at the end of your career you you still want to be able to talk you still want to be able to to raise a family and all that because that's not that's the key that's the number one thing that you have to have in life is health that's an interesting thing because um you're lucky costa your dad he's he's fine it looks seems fine to me anyway i mean i've seen him talk he's he's not in bad shape he's in pretty good shape even, no. even looked at his face his face is pretty good it's not marked up too no, bad that, that's all good yeah. yeah a few scratches a few a few stitches but that's that's a part of boxing yeah yeah you put yourself into war of course but you know you you got to be able to to learn the art of defense and an offense and how to think you got to be able to think in a fight uh it's thinking but to be able to stay cool calm while being in a in a position where everything's chaos that's the that's the thing that you have to try and understand and that's the hardest thing because it, once you're in chaos your your brain goes in two different directions three different directions if you keep it in one direction that's the that's the art of boxing that's very interesting you should say that that's a really interesting word chaos i want to explore that a little bit um, because right now business is chaos mm. and and people have got to keep their head mm. and right now you've got to actually have a good game plan and you've got to know how to pivot or change a game plan based on what happens around you, which you don't control, mm. which sort of happens in, in in the ring. I mean, every time you jump in the ring, every time, I don't give a shit how good you plan it, something will change. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they'll come at you differently or something you thought you had control of won't, you know, won't, won't be the case. You might think you had reach on without reach on or whatever. You have to change your plan and you mm-hmm. have to keep your head about you. Mm-hmm. And I want to explore that a little bit later. I want to explore that in the second half of this podcast. And you said calm, 
chaos and calm. You're just sitting right here. For those people, you know, a lot of people can't see this, but across from me, this kid's, I don't know what's going on in inside his body, inside mm. his head, but he's very calm. He's very relaxed. Every time I've ever seen him go to fight, he's always very relaxed. His father was the same. You don't see him sort of, I sure you get edgy, but you seem to be able to um, maintain your energy and sort of keep your powder dry, keep cool. Mm. If I go back, you're 25, if I go back to when you were 12, mm-hmm. was that the same kid? No, I actually learned one good lesson from dad. Um, I was amateur, uh, roughly 16, 17 years old, and I was undefeated, beating everyone. And the first time I came in to spar dad properly. And um, we're sparring. I was doing not too bad, uh, doing doing very well actually. Uh, but then he hit me with a shot, dad. And that made me lose my mind a little bit. Once I lost my mind... It made me walk into a shot that that I usually wouldn't walk into. And then that clipped me with one shot. And through that time, he was able to teach me that, you know, in the time of chaos, you could always be relaxed. And I think that that lesson helped me throughout life and throughout boxing, of course. And, you know, it's to to stay always cool-headed no matter what your opponent does. Um, Even if your opponent's talking smack, stay relaxed. There's there's no need to, to do anything. Is that a confidence thing though or is it – what is it? What allows you to stay level-headed in the chaos? Is it, is it confidence because you've trained and practiced so hard for that or is it because it's a natural thing that Tim Zhu has inherited from his mum and his dad? I, I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's a bit of both and experience. I feel like I can see sometimes through my opponents. Um, there's a lot of fake confidence out there. There's a lot of people that put things for show Yep. Um, and all of that stuff. I feel like it doesn't matter, but once you get in the ring, it all it all changes. I see things change in in the expression and in the eyes straight away through through the first punches, and how people react. And if there's a a bit of frustration just from the first punch that you hit them with, then I know that I've got them all in in the palm of my hands, and it's all and I, and I can control every aspect. That's like reading your market. Your market when you're in the boxing ring when you're fighting. Mm is the guy in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's your market. And it's interesting, business people need to read their markets too. And, mm. and, and being in the business of fighting, you've learned how to read your market. In other words, read the responses from your opponent. Mm-hmm. Adapt to the condition. Well, who teaches that stuff? Where did you learn that from? I mean, is that something you instinctively learned? or? Um, I'm not too sure, actually. I'm not too sure. I think through experiences. Outside of the ring or in the ring? Inside, outside, the way I was brought up. Well, let's go back to the way you're brought up. So (laughs) your mum's not that calm. Now, I've seen your mum. She's a bit crazy. She, she, (laughs) well, I've only seen her at the fights, but like she gets pretty excited when you're fighting. She's like your number one cheer squad person, I think. (laughs) But she's fantastic. I I think she's awesome. Um, And uh, she doesn't, she's not frightened. She doesn't take a backward step either, by the way. She knows... (laughs) She knows what to expect. I guess that's from having watched Costa for those so long as mm. well. But you're her son. It's a different environment. Mum's mm. full on. Costa's much more reserved. Mm. You got a brother and a sister. Have you? you got another brother and a sister. sister. Yep. Um, younger or older than you? Younger. Younger. You're the yep. oldest. Yeah, okay, I'm the okay. oldest. So growing up as the eldest kid in the the zoo family, um, where'd you go to school? I finished at Newington. Yep. So uh, when you say Newington finished, is that year 11 and 12 or just start year, year 7 or something? 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Okay. It's not where your old man would have gone to school. No, um, definitely not. Not where I went to school either, <laughs> by the way. But uh, Newington is a great, a great school, actually. It's yeah. a great school. Um, 
how was it you t- ended up at Newington? And where where, did, where were you prior to that? I I lived in Russia beforehand. Yep. And then um, I went to St George Christian from just for primary school. Right. In that's is that in Sydney? And that's yeah, just local local where, school where I used to live. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then how did you end up at Newington then? Who decided to send you to Newington? My mom. Did she? My mom. Yeah. She's been forcing you alive, isn't she? She was. She was a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Was well, then. Yeah. yeah. Not so much uh, now, I guess. But, <laughs> but but she was a big force in your life. She she's. Is your mum Russian or, or yeah, yeah, she's yeah, Russian yeah. and and Costa, pardon my ignorance, he actually is from Russia. Yeah. He's not from the Soviet generally. No, he, no, they're he, both he, from the same both, city. Both from the same city in both Russia. Both from the yeah. same city, yeah. And uh, how much Russian culture has an influence in your life? Like not so much yeah. now, but like, you know, that you can look back and say, oh shit, that's Russian. Well, you know, I knew Russian first hmm. before English. So my parents came here when they were very, very young, 21 years old. Uh, the first time they said the first time they saw McDonald's and Coca-Cola was at 21 years old when they came to Australia. So they came from Soviet Russia, which is not just Russia how it is now, but it's completely different Russia. So for them to adapt to Australian culture was was hard at first. So you know, I grew up in a in a Russian culture from from birth. Um, I read, write Russian. Um, you know, I sometimes think in Russian as well. Sometimes when I forget. English words, I say it in Russian. Um, so a, a lot of my life was Russian. My grandparents are Russian as well, and I spend a lot of time with them as well. Um, are they here? Or yeah, they're here. Yep. They're here. And, you know, we do things like, for example, in, in part of Russian culture, we go to the sauna every Saturday. And that's, oh, is that part of the culture, is it? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so it's part of the culture. And, you know, I've, I've been doing that my whole life, and I still remain to do it. Uh, I still like to eat dinner with the family, with the grandparents. Like is that once a week sort of thing? Or? Yeah, once, once, yeah. A, once a week type thing. And I just, um, I'm proud to call myself Russian. So it's a it's a very family orientated it thing, is. isn't yeah, and it? And even is. extended family, like yeah. it's not just mum and dad and grandparents, but there are other people in your environment who have been with you forever. Yeah. Can you want to give them a shout out now? Who are we talking about? Well, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of people around me. Um, but you know, it's not just the Russian people. It's people that have been there f- from my since they've known my dad from a young age. Glenn, from a young age, yeah. For example, Glenn. Yep. Who who at first was my dad's uh, security manager. Uh, he handled all the logistics in in the in Team Zoo, um, part one. Um, everything to do with a car has to be on time. Who's picking us up from the airport? Uh, when's food ready? What time's breakfast coming in? And the way my dad grew up, he was like a, a military sergeant where everything had to be um, on point. There's not, there's no such thing as a minute late. There's no such thing as a minute early. Everything has to be on point. Did he, did he drive that into you? Yes. To the whole, so imagine, the whole family. Imagine growing up with with a with a guy like that. <laughs> was he actually in the military? No. Um, he w- he went to the army. Yep. But he was excused because he was a amateur boxer. Yep. Representing Russia at that time. Uh, but yeah, he did did go. But he was very very disciplined from from such a young age, and you know, um, the success and fame and everything that he reached, he didn't show us, and we didn't really see it because um, he was so old school that he had to make us work um, extra hard for for everything that we wanted. That's interesting. So, uh, do you think discipline is today a big part of your life? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the the number one key. It's interesting because I should tell the listeners that there's some. When I contacted Tim 
and saying, look, you know, we've got a couple of other guys coming on. Do you want to come on to this? And um, his response was very polite, but it was, I, I thought to myself, it, it was very disciplined in that he said, but as you would be aware, Mark, um, everything of this type of this nature goes through Glenn, who's like your manager style guy, right? Um, and I thought to myself, um, for a 25-year-old guy to say that to me, that's either fairly mature and or very disciplined. In other words, hang on, no, that fits in that category. That goes over there. Mm-hmm. Glenn, can you deal with this? Mm-hmm. And, I, and Glenn sorted all that, which is great. But the point being is not many people have their business life and or your um, athletic life, which is your business life, compartmentalized because discipline is about compartmentalizing things, mm-hmm. foods at this time, mm-hmm. um, discussions are at that time, trainings at that time, saunas on that day, mm-hmm. hang out with the grandparents on this day. That's compartmentalization mm-hmm. and it's a way of dealing with stress and tension. Mm-hmm. That's It's an age-old way of dealing with stress and tension. I do it in my own business. I compartmentalize everything. People say to me, Mark, you don't put enough time into your kids. I've got four sons um, all grown up. I've got a grandson these days but – I mean, they say when I was younger, and I probably didn't in some respects, but I used to compartmentalize. I'd say, okay, I've spent some time with Nico, but uh, I haven't spent any time with Alec. So I'll spend a bit more time with Alec and I'll try and share that with Jimmy. And I was always compartmentalizing and sort of squaring away. And it's actually quite a good discipline for me. It works for me now as well. Um, do you do that? I mean, business people are trying to work out what people do, mm. how they succeed. Do you sort of say, I've got to rebalance something or is it everything every week balanced? In other words, I do this every single week. I get up at a certain time. I run in the morning. I do that. I hit the pads or whatever it is. Then I'll see my grandparents on Tuesday night. Is it that disciplined? Is it that yeah. structured? Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. And yeah, it's quite strange because that's that's all I really knew. So for me, it, it feels like the norm mm. to have everything on point and have everything on time to to know what I'm doing every every single day. Um and for for example, I I went for a, a nine kilometer run, and my grandpa said, "Why, why are you going for a nine k? You should be doing 12. You know, but I is mean, he your dad's yeah, dad? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's very strict, and um, even for example, when I come to training two minutes late, he will say something as well. Um, so yeah, everything's very very strict, and everything's on a schedule. Um, like for example, sauna. I'm in the sauna every Saturday, 5 p.m. no later. And is your, your fa- family members around, or do, yeah. is there people to check on you? No one check. Not check, but they're there. They're there. Yeah, they're yeah, there. yeah, they're there. And if sometimes I am late, there will be some something said, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And because that's not Australian, as you know, yeah. especially for your age group, yeah. 20 to 30. Oh my God, they, they don't do, they don't live that way. Um, but that works because you know that. You don't. Nothing falls down between the cracks. Mm. I mean, that process of orderliness. I mean, I often say to people, part of surviving business is about having a routine mm. and never breaking the routine. Mm-hmm. You think routine is norm to you? Routine's norm, normal for me too. Some people being routine, like you're discussing now, is actually so confronting mm-hmm. that they just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. For me, I couldn't handle having no routine. Yeah. How would, you, how would you go with no yeah, routine? Yeah, I actually, just, when you're saying this, uh, me and my girlfriend went on a holiday to Hawaii last year. I woke up and I'm, I didn't know what I'm doing. I felt like I was lost. Totally. I was so glad to have that time to, to have a rest, to, to be away from routine. But during it, I felt really, really lost and I didn't know what I was doing and um, it just gave me anxiety. 
<laughs> well, uh, same thing happens to me, which is why I'm, I've never, been, I'll be honest, I've never been able to stay married. I've been married, you know, I've had three wives and um, it's just I, I, nobody sort of, I can't, I can't relax in those environments mm. and which means it's hard to keep a relationship because most people aren't like that. Mm. Um, and although I must say, I saw you put up some stuff on Instagram. I'm not sure which fight, it wasn't, wasn't after the Brubeck fight, it was a fight before that, Dwight Ritchie. Mm. Terrible what happened there, by yeah. the way, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I saw. Uh, I think it was after what you were eating all this fucking chocolate shit. Like you were really ripping into something. Was really, uh, and I'm going, oh my god, he's obviously because you know you've obviously trained, you lost your weight. What weight you fight, Dwight Rajet? Sixty nine point eight. Okay, so you you, you drop weight. Yeah. yeah. So you, I saw you posting. Look, you're really enjoying, uh, really ripping into. I think you were in Russia. Did you go back? Oh yeah, yeah, went go, to Russia. Did you go back after it. After yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see you because it looked like it didn't look like a Sydney type thing, and. Uh, <laughs> It, I thought, well, he's letting his hair down a little bit here. He's chilling a bit, <laughs> but I would, I would imagine that even when you after that, after a short period of time, you start to think to yourself, I've got to get back on the treadmill. Yeah, and, no, not I, literally, but you know what I mean. No, no, yeah. I, and I straight away do. Um, I always go for runs. Yeah, straight yeah. after my fight, anyway, just to keep my myself sane. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny, but I think the obsession about keeping your routine. Some people might think it's a bit of insanity. It doesn't really matter if it's insane because everyone's a bit insane, mm, I think, mm, in whatever they do. Mm. But that's a good insanity mm. because actually it helps you get to the goal that, you, that you're pitching towards. It's really – I mean, I, I find it quite refreshing for someone to sit in this room and admit, especially a 25-year-old, admit it may look a bit insane, but admit that they feel uncomfortable if they're out of doing that routine. Mm. And, and I think our listeners would love to hear this. I mean, it's – and by the way, it's not too hard to develop listeners. You can actually develop this process. You just got to make a start. And by the way, during this virus period, this time when you're all in lockdown, now's the time you've got to be really careful. You just don't fuck it up completely and get, become totally undisciplined. Get out of bed at 6.30 instead mm. of normally getting out of bed at 5 to catch the train or bus, whatever it is you've got to go to work. It's too easy right now to stuff it up. What's interesting about Tim Zhu is that he doesn't actually have to go to um, the city to work, for example, Um but he's built a life of routine around what he does in order to achieve what he wants to achieve. Um, you people who are sitting out there thinking you want to do what Tim Zhu is doing in business as such or what I'm doing in business, you want to be careful right now. You just don't let slip. And now's the time to actually build a really strict routine and learn stuff and get on the digital environment and just train yourself. Mm. I mean, I, I want to come back. I want to talk to you about your fighting career. I want to talk to you about what you do in terms of running your business, how you run your business. That's the business of fighting. I'm back with Tim Zhu. In my opinion, this kid, he's a kid, he's a man to him, but he's a kid to me, relatively speaking. This kid's got all those things it takes to be a world champion, in my opinion. I mean, world championships will depend on a number of other things too, because that's the luck of the draw and the how it all, or the process of getting there, that's that's a big deal. He's got plenty of time to do it, but he's got the personality of a businessman who was a fighter. I mean, I look at some of the great fighters of all time. Um, they're all, they've all gone about it in a different way, but some like Mayweather. Mayweather's in the business of fighting. He doesn't give a shit whether he's popular or whether he fights ugly or boring. He just wants to fucking win. And uh, that's... Tim's got that personality. I want to talk to Tim now about being in the business of fighting. I mean, do you look at this as your business? 
Yeah, of course. I look at myself as a as a brand. Well, what does your brand stand for then? Let's just say you look, Tim Zoo is a brand. Yep. And by the way, I'll tell you straight up, Tim Zoo is his own brand. It's, he's not a sort yep. of some sort of off offshoot of Costa. Tim is his own brand. What is the Tim Zoo for brand me? Stand for? for me, my brand means uh, bringing big fights to Australia and to to achieve. Uh, big things. In other words, to entertain us. Yeah. So you're going to entertain me, you're going to bring big fights to this country. So ordinarily we don't get that, yeah. right? We yeah. haven't had that for a long time. Mm. And in terms of building your brand, the Tim Zoo brand, which is a good place to start actually, um, what, what do you use in terms of mediums to build a brand? So, I mean, look, I follow you, but a lot of people don't know what you put out there. What do you do? Like Instagram, Facebook, what do you I do? I think the main thing, if you if you get rid of all, all the social medias and stuff, uh, the main thing is a victory. Victory and being a humble and kind person. All the other stuff is, for for example, social media. Social media I use to to show what I do yep. in a daily daily life. I don't put anything out fake. I am who I am. And I'm real. And um, that's all I use social media for. For a way for all my fans from all around the world to be able to follow my career and see what, where I'm at and the position I'm at. You know, back in the days, there was no such thing as social media. Um, so the social media is not the number one thing in in business at the moment. Uh, it is important, but it's it's not the number one. Um, again, as I said, I think the number one thing is to to entertain for people to to watch you and to follow you, um, as my dad did in his career. He just won, and that's all. That's the main, the main, the most important thing in boxing is to is to win brutally and to win by knockouts and to have uh, a whole country behind you that they want to cheer for you and follow you. Yeah, because we all want to be part of what you do. Mm. I mean, we're watching you. We actually want to become, we want to sort of share in your victory. People mm. who, who love the fight. I'm not even, not even people who love the fight. Pe- just people like to be entertained mm. and, and they you, want to identify with you. You know, the thing with boxing is that if you're a big fan of someone, when you feel like they're in the ring, you feel like you're in the ring. Mm. You, you get sweaty um, arms. You you get very very nervous, um, and that's what I want to get the whole nation to feel. Um, not just Australia, but Russia and fans from all around the world. I want them to feel like they're in this fight, that we're in this fight together, and that um, I'm doing it not just for myself and for my family, but I'm doing it for everyone uh, that's that's around. Yeah, well, you have a sort of quite a distinct advantage in a revenue sense because I just thought about it when you said it. I mean, pay for you, for example, is about getting people to watch it. Um, what ha- actually helps is, you're right, Russian people would be identifying with Tim Zoo too. So if you can get Russians to watch or Eastern Europeans to watch it, for example, mm-hmm. um, and and Australians, you more than triple your audience straight up mm-hmm. in terms of pay for view. I mean, and this game is about pay for you. I mean, yeah. you, you've got to get people to pay money to watch. That's that's one of the ways you make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you explain to me that I – and I think you're right in terms of your brand. It is humble and it's high quality. It's humility and high quality. And you, and you do come across that way. But then in the ring, you turn into like a – I mean, for me, I think you look like a stalker. You're stalking people in the ring. To me, you look like you're, hunt, you're hunting someone mm-hmm. down. I mean, I watched – I mean, I know Jack. He's a good kid. But I watched him in that fight, right? Around – in around two, I saw Jack's legs go and I saw his face color change. Um, I knew it was done, okay? Mm-hmm. And – uh for whatever the reasons are, it doesn't matter. But you probably saw it too. Did you see it? I saw it actually um, before the fight. I saw it a long time ago. And all I saw with Jack was just uh, 
fake stuff. So that's why for me, I was I was very confident and I knew uh, that he was just food on the plate for myself. And that's interesting. So you're not really like that, but in the ring, how do you uh, reconcile this? Like in the ring, you're like a you gotta have, predator. Get, you got to get this killer instinct into you. And mm. Where's that come from? Once you feel it, you feel it. Um, you don't feel sorry for your opponent. You you want to you want to just go for the kill, and it's um in the ring it has to be kill or ki- be killed. That's the mentality. You're H- how do you get over that? That because like that, that's a I mean, do you remember a time when you got into that zone? Like, or were you always like that when even when you're an amateur or a kid? No, no. There is times where you fall a bit and you you don't feel like it, but sometimes once the fight starts, it's it's a it's a, it's a different different team zoo, for for example. I'm a different person. And can I ask you this? I mean, I don't know if you want to say this or not, but uh, what it looked like to me in the Jack fight, I think you, you saw it like you might have saw it before the fight, but I was, you saw his legs go and he, the, the colour in his face drain. Um, and I don't remember whether you hit him, where you hit him with a body shot, a head shot, but he just, his legs went on him. And once that happens, the fight, and there's, that's the end of it. But did you drag it along a little bit just to entertain us a little bit more? I, want, I wanted to go another half around. Okay, I, wish, well, I was going to say. I wish Jeff I, didn't throw the towel into yeah, early. Yeah, I thought you did. I thought. Well, Jeff, by the way, you know, you know, Jeff, my mate, and and Jeff's worried about Jack. Yeah, like, and, and he probably. That, I think he threw the towel in right, but you looked like you were. I was just getting started. Yeah, you looked like you knew exactly what how many rounds you want to take it to. Yeah. It looked to me like you sort of knew where you want to hit him. I felt I felt very in control of the whole yeah. fight, and um, again, as I said before, I can. Usually I feel my opponent in the palm of my hand and I can do whatever I want. And that was the type of fight where I wanted to break him down slowly yeah. and just slowly start punishing him. Yeah. And then you see at the start of round four or five, was it? Round four? Round four. I start um, picking up the pace. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And, and uh, it only took half a round until Jeff knew it was over. Well, the problem with Jack, Jack can take a punch and uh, and he doesn't mind just standing there. Mm. And, and, and that's not that's not good. It's not, it's not healthy. That's no, it's not healthy. And... Uh, <laughs> I sort of, my gut feeling is that that predatory, and, and by the way, you know, I'm saying this to business people too. I, I don't mean you have to be mean, but when you're in doing business, you have to be, once you're in the business zone, you have to be a predator. You have mm. to be there to achieve your goals. And that's no different mindset-wise. That's what Tim Zoo does. I mean, I've watched him do it many times. That time was a pretty brutal. I mean, I have to say you weren't like that against uh, Dwight Ritchie, like uh, – that went. How many? That went. That, that, that was. That went distance. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Um, he opened up. Unfortunately, yeah. I think it was on the left side. Left yeah. hand side. Yeah. yeah. He did give you a little bit of uh, rumble there about round six. I remember around about around six. He got in close and he laid on you. Mm. And uh, I actually watched you when you sat down. They pulled your your shorts out and your belt out. You were breathing a bit. Um, mm. I've never really seen you get laid on and get in close. I've seen because you, you stand beautiful mm. distance and you you just pick your punches. Did you learn something from the Dwight Ritchie fight, like about close in? I remember at one point I was I around six. Tired. I around six, tired. I saw you. Yeah, I, I remember I, I, I felt fuck. tired and um, I had to dig in something that I haven't done before. That I really, by the way, I just mentioned that to Jeff. I said, mate, I wasn't sure what was going to happen after that because you were breathing hard. Mm. But you came out better. Yeah, no, but I was, I was really fit. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I felt, I've, again, with, even with Dwight, I felt like I was in control. Um, oh, you totally were, but he just he just he got in your face a bit. Yeah, but the thing is, um, me and my coach have been working on inside boxing. Yeah, throughout the whole camp. So you know, I was I was thinking, you know what? Why not? I felt I didn't feel any power from Dwight. So yeah, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna come on the inside and test some things out yeah, yeah. and see see how it works. Um, you know, 
And I, I started picking him apart later on in the end of the round. You did. Yeah. But that, and by the way, if you're listening to this again, this is business. Don't be afraid to try something new. Don't be afraid of a little bit of failure. It doesn't mm. matter. Mm. You know, as long as you're in control and you do it in a controlled way. And what Tim's saying here is but there was a point there where I just thought I would try this and see how I go. Mm. And, but by the way, it wasn't something brand new. He'd, he's confident he'd been training for it. He'd been practicing for it. And then he had a crack at it. And then he had a taste of it. And you pull back, then you went and did what you mm. did. So it was all about learning. Mm-hmm. And a business is the same. And that's why this kid's in the business of boxing. I mean, he's not just a boxer. He goes about in a business-like way. He just said he's coached and trained for it for the in, in close. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. So how do you find a spar partner? So do you have to take off overseas and find a Sparring spar? partners? Yeah. Um, we've got a few few good boys here. Uh, I do a lot of rounds with Matteo Tapia. Yep. And just uh, a few pros from around Australia. But I've been to the States a few times. I saw you were at... Uh, went to Wildcard. Yeah, I saw that. Went to the Mayweather gym as well. Um, and that's just an unreal experience. Uh, you go in there unknown. And that's the best part I like about it just because no one knows you. No one's heard of you. Uh, you go in there and you have to prove yourself. So when you want to go and see Freddie Roach, yeah. like uh, how, how do you do that? Like, um, like of course, like by way of example, in small business, you're in business. People want to say, well, how do I get that same sort of experience in business that Tim gets in the business of boxing? So Tim can somehow get into to the wildcard gym or Mayweather's gym or, you know, I've seen Bilal, he's, a, he's with Canelo. Mm. It's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. But the the game here is not about him showing off. The game here is about him getting exposure to other fighters, other boxing styles, just jumping in a foreign place where you're not used to it. Like mm. it's because you can always, you feel much better in your own ring. Yeah. You're in control of, course, of your own of ring. And you know, the, the story is when I went to Wildcard, uh, they got sparring Mondays upstairs and then downstairs. Downstairs where all the, the good guys are and then Mondays you've got a bit of different different types of people at, uh, upstairs, I mean. And um, I walked in there not knowing anyone, me and my manager. Uh, simple, nothing, not wearing anything flashy, just a bag with a, with some gloves. Um, nothing expensive. Um, everyone's used no to... No winnings, win- nothing. Everyone's yeah. used to winnings. Yeah, yeah, Every yeah. pro box to go winnings. I came in with Twins. Yeah. Some Thailand brand, you know. Uh, Still a good brand, but yeah. yeah I didn't want to. I didn't want to be showy and yeah, show yeah. that I'm a pro boxer. Yeah, yeah. So I walk in there, geared up, um, and they they say, "Oh, there's this tough Mexican that wants to spy you." I'm like, all right, let's let's do it. And then the boys are coming up. You sure you want to spy him? He's he's got the reputation of being like the bulldog of the gym. I'm like, let's Bring do it. Up. You know, let's go. Got in there, and I smacked him for four rounds. The whole gym stopped. Everyone was in shock. Everyone started coming up to me after. Who are you? Where are you from? What's this? Like, who are you? And there was a small photo of my dad there in the in the wild car. And we said, you know what? That's that's my dad just there. And they they were, everyone's in shock. Everyone started asking for photos, and that got their attention from Freddie. So we didn't we didn't go in there saying Freddie. All right. Spot. We wanted to to sort of prove prove ourselves, prove myself. And make my own story and say, you know what, I want to be sparring here with the best that you guys have got. And I went in there afterwards and sparred all of Freddie's boys, and it was uh, one hell of a spar, that's for sure. And Freddie was very impressed. Did did there's someone like Freddie Roach, one of the best coaches, well, considered to be one of the best coaches in the world? I mean, he trains some of the best fighters in the world, has done and still does. Does someone like Freddie give you tips? Or did yeah, 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 yeah? He told me what I have to should do, shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he. Definitely gave me a positive outlook and gave me confidence that, that I can achieve um, more than just a world title. 
So you're the proprietor of your business. You're, you're, you're the owner, right? That's your business. You're the yeah. owner. Um, and you have a whole lot of stakeholders. You have family members um, who, who back you and look after you and love you and give you family structure, et cetera. And then you've got uh, friends um, who are like family to you. They, and in some cases, they perform functions in your business. Then you've got your external people, coaches, you know, sports therapists or whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Team Zoo. You know, do you call it Team Zoo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Team Zoo. Um, and you're sort of the boss, I guess. But you're de- Put it this way, you're the proprietor. Mm-hmm. When it comes to, for example, let's say Freddie Roach stand and saying, listen, Tim, you know, these, this is a little combo I think you should use, whatever it is, whatever it is he's saying. Everyone's got a fucking tip for you, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I've seen Jeff tell you stuff. I mean, I, everyone's got tips for you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, especially the boxing world, it's a yeah. shocker. How do you sit back and work out what works and what doesn't work for you and what you are going to adopt and what you aren't going to adopt, even like even if Costa tells you something? Yeah. I mean, how do you do that? You know, I said it before, everyone's got their own style. So everyone can say something, but you've got to be able to, to suit yourself. If you write a sentence on a piece of paper with handwriting yourself, um, the way you're going to write it is only the way you can write it, you know. So if if I, for example, try to write something like that, you try write the same type of handwriting, it will never work. Um, so again, I have to adapt my own style and see what it, whatever I can bring to the table, and um, I can listen, I can get tips, uh, but it doesn't mean I have to adapt to to everything. Or you can adapt the tip to the way you operate. Yeah. Execute yeah. the the tip because that's interesting because a lot of people right now are sitting at home, they can't go to work. They're, they're, you know, the shop might be closed down and they'll be doing, they'll be listening to this podcast, they'll be listening to digital environments, they'll be trying to get tips on how to be better, they'll be listening to people talk about brand management, they'll be listening to people talk about how you market in a digital sense and all these thousands of ideas are coming through and they're going to get overloaded mm. with inputs, which I know I've seen other fighters like, you know, people overload them, you know, everybody's a fucking expert, same mm. as rugby league, everyone's an expert. Um, and, uh, but the good, the guys who are really good and the girls who are really good at sport in any sense tend to rise above it all and just take what they want and discard. They don't mm-hmm. have a messy room. Mm. You know, their brain is not messed up with a mm. whole lot of shit. Cause when it comes down to the time as in business, when it comes down, when you have to execute, you have to have a pretty clear head mm-hmm. as to those two or three things that work for you. Would that be right yeah. for you? I think it's the simple things that matter, you know, just keep it, keep it nice and simple. And when you're doing it, do it to 100%. So what would you say to all these business people now, like if you could just for a second or minutes, because, you know, they're looking for guidance. They know what their skills are. They know what they're good at. They know where the weaknesses are. They are all sitting around now trying to educate themselves and learn. But some of these people would be overdoing it. In other words, well, maybe not, but they just listen to too much stuff. Mm. Would you just say... You just said something keep interesting. It keep it simple. Like pick two or three things yeah. or two things yeah. and become keep, good at yeah. it. Keep it simple and then do those things to 100%. How about when it comes to practicing those things then? Because when you practice, when you train, mm. let's say you've got the heavy bag in front of you. I mean, you're, you're orthodox, so mm. you're uh, left, left. I mean, do, do you just do a thing 100 times, 500 thousand, times? Thousand, thousand. You just keep thousand, doing it. Thousand, yeah. yeah. And it's purposeful. Like you actually say. I see, I see a lot of boxing now these days. They're doing all this tricky stuff. Just keep it simple. Yeah. Throw one hand, throw the other hand. Yeah. Throw one hand, throw the other hand. And that's it. It's the, the basic fundamentals of the simple stuff is what gets you to the top. Yeah, because not too many people throw 
five or six punches at once. If they do, they won't throw it for a while. I really do it. (laughs) Yeah. So you guys listen, this is really important. In business, the same. There's not that many combinations you can actually use in business. Um, You know, someone might say, well, if you do, Gary Vee might say, do this, 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 and this, this, Gary Vaynerchuk. But at the end of the day, when you're in the business, you can't do it because A, you're you're buggered, um, you're tired, you might have no money left. What he says works might not work for you in the circumstances. The same when Tim, like Tim's talking about when he fights, he's not there trying to do, you know, a five punch combination or a ten punch combination, you know, and duck weave. Fucking, <laughs> I mean, it's, I see him too. Like I think, mm. wow, like when are you going to use that? Yeah, and it doesn't work, does it? No, of course not. And when and people, do you, can you actually hear people from the from the crowd when you're fighting? No, not really. Not really, okay. So I often wondered to myself whether because I, I hear him yelling out at you, you know, like, uh, God, where <laughs> um, which is all nonsense, but at the same t- but people in business have the same thing. Yeah. You know, we put up with the same stuff. We have, you know, outside of the business of fighting, just retail businesses. People are saying to us all the time, do this, do that. What you've got to do is you've got to listen to your game plan, build a game plan and practice that game plan, mm. keep it simple and just execute. And is that, probably the best way to describe your mm-hmm. process to be able to um if you're put in a bad situation or in a hard situation be able to adapt so i think have a game plan but have that lessons and experiences to be able to adapt to any situation so what happens when it's in other words when the chaos starts like we have in business now with you know with this crisis do you adapt when you sit down in your corner and you have a breather and your manager set, your trainer says Blah, 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 you might ask a question where he's, t- he's telling you something. Or do you actually think about it yourself when you ha- take a breather? Or do you do it when you're in the in the, round? In the moment. In the moment. In the right. moment. It's, it's something that you can't really explain, but you gotta, you got to try to figure it out on the spot. So you just get, you just get hit in the temple, shakes you a bit. Um, you're tired. Your, your legs are going, you're really tired. You're, tired. you're breathing hard. Yeah. You're around and eight. Your opponent's trying to kill you. And you, the Blake's the Blake's trying to nail you, and you know that you might be close. I mean, three words: find a way. Right. So, what do you do? Do you actually uh, sort of back off a little bit and sort of just think? I mean, how, do you catch your breath and think? I mean, what do you do when you're put in the situation? You just remain calm, try to keep level headed. Because one positive thing can happen is that when they see you, they lose their mind, and that's an advantage to you. If you're calm. If you're calm. Yeah, that's because they're point. open and you're not. So that's what businesses, business owners should be doing around their staff at the moment too. Because if you're panicking in front of your staff, mm. they get nervous. Of course. I mean, if you if you panic in the ring or if you do something silly in the ring or don't remain calm, all your team would get nervous. Mm. Your all your your team behind you. Equally, the crowd will probably even see it. Mm. Do you work the crowd? Does the is the crowd important to you? It is, uh, but at the same time. Not really, because you're the only one that's in the ring. And yeah. You're, you're the only one that controls everything. Um, everything's in your hands. Everything is in your hands. You know? And by the way, you know, at the end of the day, you, all your business people, everything's always in your hands. Mm. You can't blame anybody else. No. You have to make the call. And you have to be well-practiced, well-rehearsed. And I actually quite like this. Um, staying calm and leaving yourself in a position where you can actually think about what you're going to do. Mm. You know, like actually think about how you're going to execute on something. Tim, I always give everyone an opportunity to ask me a question. I've been asking you all the questions. <laughs> you got any questions you want to ask me? 
your inspiration, what motivates you to to get up in the morning and do what you do? Well, right now, it's funny. Someone's sent me a message saying something about the virus. And for me, this week, probably this weekend, but particularly today, it's, it's become acutely, I've become acutely aware of the war that we're actually in. And what inspires me is to actually to help other people take control of the war, the bad thing. To me, it's good versus bad. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. The virus is bad. And our survival is good, all of us, every small business. I mean, a bit like the way you like to represent all of Australia, make Australia proud and, and entertain Australia by bringing big fights to this country. For me, what inspires me, what drives me actually, is to make sure that all Australian businesses survive no matter what crisis is put in front of us, whether it's a GFC, whether it's a coronavirus, or just shitty governments not looking after us, or being outcompeted against by global giants coming out of other countries on online and, you know, like Amazon and that who are knocking all our poor little people, you know, around in this country who are trying to survive. So that's what inspires me. And when the stakes get really high, like now, that inspires me more. It actually makes me want to work even harder. Mm-hmm. And like this morning, I was up at 4.30, you know, I, I can't get to the gym in the morning, so I drove to my office and we got, well, I'm on level 11, um, so I did the stairs a few times, ground floor to the top, I skipped in the basement I probably look like a real egghead, like some builders are coming in the building and saw me there skipping on the thing. They probably, what the fuck's going on? And I've got weights in my office now. So adapting and fighting for for what I believe in, mm-hmm. and that's what I believe in. I mean, I, I believe in a purpose other than trying to make money. I mean, I'll make money out of it, but I believe in a, a higher purpose. Just sitting here talking to you, that inspires me. To see young business people who maybe didn't get, didn't get a degree at university, but at the same time have as all the nows, all the instincts, all the drive, all the talent to carry on a business like you do and to actually do it in such a mature way, fuck, that, that really inspires me. I mean, and that's why I, I did all these young fighters to hear their story, but to get, let everyone outside hear their story. I want everyone to get inspired by what they hear from you, not just to admire you as a fighter, mm. but to be inspired by the way you go about it. And I want them to take that away with them and make their business better by listening and drawing from some of the things that you've said and adapting them to what they can do to make them better. And that way, Australia should become a better place. Mm. That's all they care about is surviving. Australian businesses surviving all the shit that keeps getting thrown at us. Mm. And um, I, I have to be honest with you, you know I'm a fight fan. So to me, it's even though you guys are in your 20s, all of you, the, the four of you, other than Jeff who's in his 50s, <laughs> I am, I am so lucky to be able to have this platform, to be able to speak to future world champions, in my opinion. That's, that's the coolest thing mm. in the world for me. <laughs> and to be able to talk to them, to be able to actually get inside what they do is incredibly, like, it's a real privilege for a kid to come from Punchbowl. So thanks very much, Tim. I appreciate that so much. You're welcome. Thank you.